My name is Ben Greenfield, and on this episode of the Ben Greenfield Life Podcast... Since the realization that most of your melanin is not in your skin, but is in your mitochondria... Yeah. Instantly, it like totally changed my relationship to things like chaga, where they're, they're talking about melanin and, and, yeah. and all this yeah. stuff that kind of seemed too the, abstract or too woo-woo or too much of a stretch for me. And the dark blues of the plant kingdom tend to increase melanin production. Chaga is one of them, shilajit, uh, methylene blue, and chlorella or spirulina, any of those massively increase mitochondria activity of cytochrome C oxidase, uh, especially if you're in the infrared sauna or under sunlight. Faith, family, fitness, health, performance, nutrition, longevity, ancestral living, biohacking, and a whole lot more. Welcome to the show. If you're in your 30s or anywhere beyond, you got to start eliminating senescent cells in your body. These are the so-called zombie cells that make you feel old before it's time to feel old. They linger in your body after their useful function, hence their name zombie cells, wasting energy and precious nutrition and leading to so many middle-aged symptoms like low energy, brain fog, slow workout recovery, and joint discomfort. But luckily, you can nuke these senescent cells. There are a bunch of different newly discovered plant-derived ingredients that when expertly combined can help to reduce senescent cells, and the folks at Neurohacker have cracked the code on putting them all together into a fantastic product called Qualia Senolytic. Qualia Senolytic. Now, this could be one of the biggest aging breakthroughs of the decade based on what we know about senescent cells. It could take years off how old you feel, in just months. And you only use it twice a month. Six capsules twice a month. Super simple. I'm actually on my cycle right now. I just took six this morning. I'll take six tomorrow morning. Then I set it and forget it for a month, nuking my senescent cells and feeling younger in the process. So if you're sick of feeling old before your time, try, try Qualia Senolytic. Go to neurohacker.com slash Ben Seno, S-E-N-O, neurohacker.com slash Ben Seno, Backed by a 100-day money-back guarantee and that code BENSENA will give you an additional 15% off at neurohacker.com forward slash BENSENA. All right, so usually I record the bio for my guest all by my lonesome, but my guest and I just finished recording a fantastic podcast for you, and he's right beside me. So I figured I'd let him tell you who he is before you dive into his weird, far-reaching brain on all things biohacking, endurance, and beyond. Anthony... You're on an elevator for 30 seconds. Who are you? Well, I think someone else would use race results and things like that to establish me as some kind of expert. But I think I think all the, the value that I would add to whoever wants to listen's life, I think it's in there. So I at this point, instead of a summary of race results, I feel like I'm just a, a curious seeker of some kind and and scratch the itch with, with biohacking and whatever, sacred sexuality and and psychedelics and, and diving down all this stuff just i'm a flow junkie anthony kunkel is a flow junkie you heard it here first and he also as you'll hear later on in this episode has unlocked how to feed your brain chocolate cake enjoy this show folks all the show notes at bengreenfieldlife.com slash kunkel k-u-n-k-e-l so anthony kunkel first thing i told people when I put out the word that we were going to be recording the podcast was that you were just going to run to my house from the airport. You yeah, actually, was, you made it. Yeah. Yeah. Smooth sailing. It was like 18 and a half total and ran the 14 to your local grocer at the bottom of the hill. And then 18 and a half miles. Yeah. You know, we have some listeners who might think kilometer. So yeah. 
No. Yeah. Real so you just sense. like, do you do that a lot? You just like fly in somewhere and just kind of jog, you know, almost a marathon to where you're going? If I can. I mean, it seems, it seems kind of wasteful to not, if I'm like building all this endurance and all this ability to travel through time and space, it's like, it seems silly to get here uh, and hop in an Uber or something. I know. I Look, you I, get a real good feel for <laughs> the place as well. Like I ran through yeah. downtown Spokane. That's a good point. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely felt like I kind of communed with it a little bit right off the bat. Yeah, I tell people, like, when I'm traveling and I get to my hotel, especially if I don't have time to hit the gym or whatever, I'll look up whatever the nearest good grocery store is, and as long as it's within three miles or less, I'll walk or run or walking lunge or stop and do burpees or whatever to the grocery store, buy all my groceries, and do a farmer's walk back, you know, nice. with all my, yeah. all my avocados and sardines and, you know, pomegranates and whatnot, and it's a great workout. But I've never actually, I do have an employee, his name is Joe Hashi. shout out to Joe, a lot of times when he travels, if his hotel is any closer than a marathon distance from the airport, he walks, he rocks with all of his luggage nice. to his hotel. Yeah, that is the one thing, is I was limited. I was like, all yeah. right, I'm not going to bring the micro USB charger, I'll mm -hmm. loan one. Yeah. I'm going to bring that short iPhone cable. Yeah, yeah, and not buy any watermelons at the grocery store on your way up to here. Yeah, I mean, I did yeah. buy a rotisserie chicken. So. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, speaking of nutrition, I think I, I originally knew your name because... Gosh, I, I forget how many years ago, probably like six or seven years ago, whatever. I was part of this study at University of Connecticut called the Faster Study, where they took a group of athletes and they fat adapted them, fed them a high fat diet, anywhere from six to 12 months, very high fat, like 80 to 90% fat, very low carb, strict ketogenic, and then did muscle biopsies, uh, took blood and biomarkers, did gut analyses, and had us do a VO2 max and run on a treadmill for three hours. Three hours. And you were part of that study too. Yeah, yeah, I was I was in that cohort of people. I think I think all of us that knew what a ketone was, whenever that was, 2012 or something yeah. like like early. way back when. It was early. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I think they pretty much got all of us in there, so it was pretty easy to find one person and then ask them about their friends. Yeah. And so yeah, a few of us in the Denver area were already playing around with the low carb stuff and kind of trying to figure that all out. And so yeah, it was it was pretty smooth. And then. Yeah, it is kind of funny looking back at it, just how, like, that study actually stood for something. Like, that gets referenced all the time, the FASTER study, the yeah. fat adaptation, substrate utilization, and trained elite runners. Well, what's your take on that study? I've talked about it before, but, like, what, in, your, in your own mind, what was the best takeaway from that study or your experience with it? Our VO2 maxes weren't stifled. I mean, that's that's pretty cool. Meaning compared to people who are eating a traditional higher carbohydrate or carbohydrate loaded diet, we were able to achieve the same intensity at high intensities. Yeah, I mean I guess we wouldn't we wouldn't really know, right? You wouldn't unless because I was I was one of the people that was already doing the thing when they found me. So it's not like I had VO2 max data before that. But yeah, I mean I was, I don't know, seventy or something at the study, and that was after flying all day. And then yeah. the I think the the implications for people, it did, it opened the conversation and made people start thinking, okay, this is viable. Like the, the amount, the number of calories you can burn per minute out of fat is, is faster than you'd ever want to have to run for the hours and hours and hours you'd be able to do it then on fat. And it's been really cool for me. Like I did, I did a, uh, participate in a different one recently enough out of Phoenix that I was on like 300 to 350 grams. I just storied a little thing on or 300 and 350 of, grams of net of carbs a day. Net net carbs a day. Yeah. It's not, that's so not super low. I was crushing. No, yeah. it's it's high. Yeah. And I still went in and still had very comparable data where I was burning, you know, gram and a half a minute, which is 50% more of fat. of fat, which is 50% more than is 
physiologically possible. They say you can burn one gram a minute of fat. That's what they said all the way up to the Volux study. The yeah. maximum amount of fat in all my college courses is 1.0 grams of fat per minute. Someone can burn. And this study that showed by eating a high-fat diet and engaging in carbohydrate restriction, it rewrote the textbooks by showing 1.5 plus grams of fat per minute could be burnt during exercise if you change your diet. Yeah, which I think even has bigger implications when you see, even if I'm 1.3 or 1.4 or 1.5, and there's people doing 1.8, if I'm 135 pounds or 130 pounds on the treadmill, that's a whole lot of calories to yeah. move my body around with. And so, yeah, that was that changed that changed the dialogue quite a bit, I think. But it's been really cool to see that I could do, you know, 300 grams, 350 grams. Really feel like I'm fueling the work of the day or fueling marathon training, as the case was and still be just torching body fat. Now, is the way that you're able to burn 1.5 plus grams of fat per minute, even on a day where you're eating or a period where you're eating 300, 350 grams of carbohydrates, net carbs, because you have such a history of carbohydrate mitigation that your body has learned how to burn fats very efficiently? That's my thought, is it's, it's years and years and years of doing this and dipping in and out of really deep, honest ketosis. And then at the beginning of the season, I'll do... Uh, a real, real low carb reset for things where I'm doing whatever, 20 or 30 grams net a day, like basically zero, right? Yeah. And while doing 100 or 120 miles a week or, or more, and I don't feel like it really costs me anything. It doesn't, it doesn't really ruin the whole week, but there will be three to five days in there where I feel like a zombie as far as yeah energy and and maybe even sleep and libido and all that yeah all that stuff yeah. so, pure pure glycogen depletion yeah it definitely yeah. sucks a little bit but i usually go until it's horrible and then i'll keep going until it's not horrible again and then i can start trickling yeah. the carbs back in and then it's lit then it's like yeah and part of that is awesome. you get a huge upregulation and expression of what's called the uh glycogen synthase meaning the ability of the body to take that glucose and sock it away into muscle and liver glycogen for the workout goes through the roof like we actually did that when i used to do bodybuilding we go low carb as a trick for the muscles because by going low carb for one to two weeks out from the competition and then leading up to the competition beginning to introduce a ton of carbs the body stores more carbs than it would normally, so you get bigger and fuller than you normally would if you hadn't restricted carbohydrates. So you can you suck can some fluid out of skin with the same yeah. thing, right? Yeah, exactly. You yeah. combine that with did like dandelion root extract for peeing out mm -hmm. excess water. So you got a whole <laughs> bunch of carbs, not much water, and you look freaking huge and ripped. There's your tip for going to the beach. <laughs> two, two weeks out from the beach day. So as far as the diet goes, I mean, I don't know about you, but uh, I mean, freaking like one strawberry a day for your carbohydrate allotment during that Volux study was pretty horrific. But did you settle upon or do you still have in your own diet like certain things that you rely upon to keep you in a, in a high fat or ketosis-like state for these periods when you're not doing the, the bigger carb loads? Like food staples or what? Like what? What are your top your your top tricks to get enough calories in and stay in ketosis? Like, do you use certain supplements or you know certain food strategies? I don't eat carbs outside of dinner, very very rarely. So that that then shrinks the carb. Even if the eating window is one p.m. to nine p.m., which is typical for me, the eating window for carbs is like maybe six thirty until until eight thirty or nine. Yeah. So I think that helps even when I am bringing carbs back in. But by and large, I mean, that, that would mean that I would run twice in the day then, right? Before yeah. I, before I refeed, if you will, which might be 20 grams, right. might so be you're pretty depleted grams. by the time you do that second workout of carbohydrates. Yeah, certainly in theory. Yeah. But then, I mean, my training is so gentle. I do a lot of 
you know, nine minute pace or or whatever it is nine minute mile pace yeah so they, i'm not in any kind of rush unless i'm doing something on purpose and yeah. then I'll, I'll hit the the speed work come hell or high water i don't i don't really i don't grade things for altitude i don't i don't give myself a whole lot of leniency with the hard work and that's over the years i've met myself where i am so it's not as harsh as it sounds because i kind of know exactly what i'm capable of doing and what i need to do to prep for the next the next push yeah, but, would, yeah you, I mean, would you say it's more like a polarized training approach that so you see a lot of the world's elite endurance athletes do where it's about 80 percent aerobic long slow distance extremely easy nearly a conversational pace and then 20 percent is like balls to the wall no matter what way above like a zone four lactate threshold heart rate it it's certainly 80 percent very very easy like like as easy as i can possibly make myself go and then probably about 20 percent of it is is any kind of intent but I might do a workout that's at 100k pace, so like six-hour race pace. That's still yeah. not very vigorous at all. It's just mechanically it's hard because I've spent so much time training so gently that even just to get my, even at a, oh, hey, see that guy? That's a really cool bug back there. That was a praying mantis. Yeah, yes. yeah, it was a real solid praying yeah. mantis. Yep. But, yeah, so I think I think that, that 20%-ish is spread over still very aerobic paces and then yeah. a little bit of strides where it's it's all yeah. open or like 20 seconds on 40 seconds moderate where the 40 seconds is the hard part because you can lie to 20 seconds right like i can yeah. go as hard as i possibly want and i'll i'll do this uphill on gravel right where it's unbroken uphill and the 20 seconds are as fast as i can mechanically make myself move so it'll be just like watts through the roof like i'll use a power right. meter and i'll be like right. 500 watts just yeah. just blasting watts yeah. and then the 40 seconds i'll just try to maintain that i'm running confidently like that i that i'm still mechanically open and looking good not shuffling and that's then the hard part but yeah i mean the 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 hard stuff is is hard or very very intentional where it's like right now i want the trial standard in the marathon so 510 to 515 ish pace yeah and i'll hit that if it kills me i'll hit that if i'm feeling great i'll hit that whatever whatever it takes for I'll someone just, i'll hit those splits for someone who want to mess around with like power training for running because obviously it's pretty simple on the bike you get a, uh, attachment to the crank of the bike for the bike power but for running is it like a shoe based power meter attachment it is i'm using stride they're they're boulder based that's they, the name of the company stride yeah, with a y okay they're they're pretty cool and i I can't speak to the accuracy, right? I would have no way of, of knowing. I don't really care to even find out how accurate it is, but it's precise, yeah. right? So it's definitely iterable. Like I can go in there and know exactly what kind of shape I'm in. And yeah. it's cool then because I can look at like form tweaks, you know, with different form activation and I can look at form power versus versus output and I can compare different shoes to see which one's more efficient for like watts per beats oh, a wow. minute. And you can really you get in deep. there if, if you want to. Wow. And I kind of try to play around with all that stuff when I'm two months out, three months out from race day by the time that i get to the last month i just i really like it because i can just say okay i need 315 watts that's what i'm capable of and not only that but coming at it with the angle that i do it's like because it's so precise and so controllable i can know that okay if i hit 310 watts for this many hours that i'm going to meet god right yeah <laughs> it's like that's really what i'm after with my endurance i yeah. i the prs are what they are but the the having something that is so hard that you have to have some crazy transcendental experience to even get it done, that's really, really kind of where science yeah. meets 
I, I want to talk, talk more about the esoteric parts of fitness and, and finding God during a run a little bit later on. Yeah, but, for sure. You know, you're known as also, I've heard some people describe you as like one of the biohackers of ultra running. And I want to hear about perhaps some of the technology that you use in addition to a power meter. But back to the nutrition real quick. Um, what about some of these things like, you know, ketone esters, ketone infused, you know, the, what's that, the, the, the keto brick? I think I gave you one at the at the party last night, that like the thousand calorie keto brick. Do you yeah. use any of those type of weird engineered fuels? I do. Um, when I'm when I'm training heavy, I mean, I, I love a keto brick as a nice blanket. Thousand calories. Thousand calories, yeah. you know, 30 some grams of protein. Don't so, eat it on so an airplane. I had, I had diarrhea at the end of no? the flight. No, no I, all, I, I, all I thousand like calories. One. Yeah, it didn't work out too well on an airplane. I, I think I did half yeah. of one before I took off okay. running yeah. there. So yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, then I've, I've been doing two different protocols, one of which I call the EPO protocol, which is like erythropoietin, like cycling drugs, as everybody knows it. Mm-hmm. And you're about you're about to uh, share your illegal performance <laughs> drug utilization <laughs> on a go. podcast. Nobody's we're, we're listening it, except you and me and your mom. So we're going to make it juicier. Yeah. So the the idea was that they had big bumps in EPO with sauna use right after exercising. Oh, yeah. And so I've just been hopping in the I use sauna space. Yeah. Um, near infrared. Yeah. Post exercise, by the way, that's important to note that the study, the only study that showed increased EPO was when you went in already heated up and a little bit fatigued and dehydrated. Yeah. I think I yep. think the dehydration. I think we're if I were betting, I would say we're in the era where people are going to realize that dehydration yeah. is a freaking superpower. I mean, it's a yeah. stressor, Just right? Just like, like carbohydrate anything. depletion can be. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you want to you want to get the flexibility in your body, and so you have to kind of stretch stretch these systems by getting them as low and as high as they can. And yeah. So there's a role for pre cooling and a role for heating, but I'll, I'll get in there with a little sip of uh, KE4 into the sauna yeah some some ketone aids so i'll take mm-hmm. some straight ketone esters or maybe an r13 just because like i don't know like the pina colada ones if you had those are so good yeah the, those are the ketone <laughs> ester drinks that have the r13 butane dial less expensive arguably less potent than the ke1 that you were talking about right yeah the four but, yeah or the, the ke4 the rather ones. ke4 is the fancier one right yeah it's a little more dense so yeah a little more it's, it's yeah. a gram of ketone ester for every two milliliters. So yeah, first I'll time go. I got it, I shot a whole bottle, like 16 servings a bottle. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the same, same, yeah. man, all the yeah. time. Really, that's kind of the thing. If you if you don't have to worry about low blood sugar for your physiology, if you've stretched it to where that's not a concern, it seems like the more, the better, right? In like yeah. those Tour de France protocols. So I'll take 10 mils or maybe 15, 15 mils, milliliters, and hop in the sauna post-exercise, and then I'll wait until until i'm real real woozy and dizzy in there and my my thought is i'm i'm stressing the system as much as i can giving it the ketones and probably putting epo through the roof i'd love to do a little bit of blood work for that but it's, yeah it seems promising since both of those things separately seem, yeah seem to boost i mean EPO. if you were to test hematocrit hemoglobin mean corpuscular volume and just a basic blood panel like a complete blood count and all those values were, or the, the ones related to increased red blood cell production were elevated. It's a pretty decent sign. Um, I don't know if there's a direct measure of, of erythropoietin that's I readily think, I available. I think I have to have one yeah. because that's, yeah. that's, otherwise I would worry I yeah. had a good workout or a bad workout or yeah. or something like that, you know, especially undulating altitude because I live at pretty serious altitude. Yeah. So, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I've been doing, I've been doing that, that EPO protocol in the, in the peaking phase, which yeah. I think has paid off. I'm, so your, I'm your EPO certain. protocol is finish workout, ketones, get in the sauna until you're just eyes are bugging at your head. Yeah, it usually only takes about 20 minutes. Yeah, so it's, let's it's, move over it's this nothing crazy. Bit. Yeah, okay. And then, so, but yeah. was that dry sauna or infrared? That's near infrared. Okay, all right. Yeah, so you preheat it before you go out on your run then probably? 
Um, I'll I'll throw it on while I'm getting whatever together or okay. taking the ketones or yeah. you know what have you. Yeah. But yeah, that's that seems like a really good a really good use of ketones. And then the other one I've been doing, I, I kind of call it the Tour de France protocol, which is just to kind of trickle them in for recovery purposes. So it's it's not that I'm using them before a workout; I'm using them afterwards. So I'll sip sip a a hard ketone seltzer drink with my protein at 1 p.m. right when I break the fast. Yeah. And that seems to have really paid off. I mean, I'm, I'm having a really, really breakout block right now. And that's one of the things that I haven't really incorporated as liberally as I have been this time. So I'll have, I'll have semesters with my lunch. I'll regularly have semesters with my dinner, some, some sort of, some sort of ketone exogenous supplement with my dinner. Dinner again, being that yeah. bit that is most likely to have yeah. some carbohydrate content into it. So it's just pretty crazy how good you can feel. I mean, even if you're not, somebody's listening, they're not like an elite endurance athlete. And I should know it. I'll put all the show notes at bengreenfieldlife.com slash kunkel, K-U-N-K-E-L. If you guys want to go visit the show notes and, and dig into Anthony's stuff a little bit more. But it's pretty, pretty crazy how by slow bleeding ketones in all day long, which I've been doing ever since the HVMN guys came to my house because we were there and they're just like, hey, take a shot. Hey, it's lunch. Take a shot. Hey, it's two. Take a shot. 5 p.m. Take a shot. <laughs> so when I did that, I felt great all day. And since then, I'll just like put a little bit of ketones into everything. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, it's impressive. And I think the recovery, the recovery literature on it's interesting mm-hmm. and anti-inflammatory, yeah. uh, DNA repair, longevity benefits. Yeah. They're, they're pretty incredible with, I mean, the only damage to your pocketbook, they're not cheap. That's, that's for sure. Yeah. 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 It seems like that's the, the only thing that matters is, you know, recovery is recovery. And the end of the day, scientific literature doesn't make you faster, but like yeah. when you see that it's working in the real world like this, very, very encouraging. Yeah. Yeah. What about your, uh, like your pre-race routine? I mean, a guy like you thinks as much about this stuff as you do has got to have some kind of an elaborate pre-race routine. Yeah. It kind of starts a week out. I'll have my last somewhat long run a week out and I like to have a race mixed into there. So a 5k, maybe a 10k, but typically a 5k in there a week out from pretty much anything, a marathon or certainly before an ultra, yeah. I'll have a, a 20 mile morning. Yeah. With That's a funny. By the way, I, I used to like when I raced Ironman, I tried to find a sprint triathlon seven to 10 days out. Cause it kind of just puts you in that competition mindset. For you get sure. to practice your transitions, you get to practice the nervous. And if you're peaking, the race. it doesn't yeah. take anything out of you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So that, that usually feels good. And since I don't regularly train those all out paces, I can't really hurt myself with a 5k anyway. I'm not, you know, I might be five fifteen a mile marathon shape the next weekend and i might do 505 for a 5k yeah maybe even at altitude but yeah yeah so it's it's nothing too crazy just because i'm not specifically trained for it but having having that one week out that last long run i think people over taper um i'll do a two-week taper and that's plenty and really you'll do a two-week taper for what distance anything anything yeah i think i feel i feel off my game if i if i taper any longer than that yeah and even with that the the second week out, the week before race week, might still be 100 miles. So if I'm yeah. coming off of 160 or 140 miles a week, then 100 miles, that's part of the taper. Yeah, so and that's part of that's nuts. obviously genetic in terms of the high volume responder and even the faster tendon and ligament repair that you yeah, see my, with Yeah, my, my body loves training. Yeah, like if you do that DNA abuse. fit, it'll tell you, hey, you should train consistency every single day because you recover extremely quickly, but don't, don't uh, do like super big, big, hard workouts all at once versus consistent daily is better for you if you're that fast recoverer. Yeah. 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 That definitely seems to be the case. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of where it starts and then I'll have something short and spicy during the week, maybe Tuesday or Wednesday, have something that's, that's confidently over speed. So kind of like that uphill session I was describing, maybe 20 seconds 
real fast, like as fast as I can mechanically move, and then 40 seconds moderate, and do that 10 times or 15 times or 20 times. I might have that within the last seven days, and then the final session before race day will be something at race pace just to yeah. build confidence it might be yeah. five miles at 100k pace or three miles at marathon pace or something like that yeah and so then i'm you know then we're 72 ish hours out and at that point i'll just crush fiber so this is something that has fiber gone, fiber this is something that's gone wrong that for seems me before. like counterintuitive yeah but like 72 ish hours out i can just start crushing like coconut flour pancakes or something and then somewhere around that 60-ish hour, maybe 48 hours out, I'll completely take fiber out of my diet. So oh. then I'm just like... So does the high totally fiber kind of like it. just like clean you out and then you move to a low fiber diet because you've already been cleaned out enough to where you're not going to have a bunch of bowel movement urges during the race? Yeah. That's yeah. interesting. And I've, I've got yeah. it right. I don't know, three dozen times or something now. So I have, a, I have a lot of confidence. It involves some timers on my phone since I'm not super yeah. type A to begin with. I'm kind of okay with just being laissez-faire yeah. about whatever. But when I get it just right, man, I'll I'll have one little nervous poop before the race. And then I won't poop during. I won't poop after. I won't poop until the entire next day. And wow. Just, it's so not, you really get cleaned out. It's not bubble guts when I do. It's yeah. just like one quick little thing and then get right back at it. Yeah. And so I'll do that for a prep race. And yeah, it's... It's, wow. it's done me, it's done me a lot of good because my whole GI tract feels lighter. I mean, I feel better yeah. about eating calories while I'm running hard yeah. from that. And I've, I've wondered now about like butyrate production, things like that. I'm thinking maybe because I'm crushing real food, I'm getting all this fiber in here. I wonder if I'm not just getting some cell signaling well, if you, that's Yeah, if you look too. at the bacteria profile of the elite athletes, and these are studies that they've done with the high levels of acromantia, which is a probiotic that has a side effect of in, increasing short chain fatty acids and things like butyrate in the gut, arguably you're probably enhancing your acromantia production and your short chain fatty acid production to the extent to where you might be getting the gut metabolism effect that you see either naturally present or induced via diet in a lot of these high performing individuals. Yeah, I'd be shocked if there wasn't something good in there. And I've also yeah. considered that would be a perfect time to like sell my poop, you know, get a little fecal yeah, microbiome. <laughs> yep, yep, thinking like an entrepreneur, an entrepreneur. We've, we've uh, done a few yeah. of them in the house. Just yeah. people, friends that are sick that tell their friends, hey, I could really use somebody. Yeah. I don't want to spend tens of thousands of dollars. It's like, come on over. We'll bust out the food processor that we don't like, use Come on over anymore. where? To the house. Like, oh, <laughs> you mean like your house in someone, Colorado? Someone straight up has turkey bastered multiple, multiple folks a few times right, right in the house and just... Yeah, like sived it all out and what's the house like one big it. frat party full of ultra endurance athletes sharing their poop or what basically yeah i mean the ultra house durango where it's, a it's 13, called ultra house durango yeah it's a 1300 square foot three bed two bath just trailer mobile home in durango that i own and since i've made ends meet without having to rent out rooms I've just offered it up to anybody that wants to come there for peanuts or free or whatever it needs no to be. No kidding. Just yeah. athletes. Yeah. yeah. I've had I've had nature photographers and you know I had one guy that just came out to just to just to lose some weight, <laughs> ended up running his fastest 10 miler ever afterward, but the reality was he just came out, went to the grocery store with me, bought everything that I bought and then ate like I did for whatever it was, 45 days and lost 30 and do, pounds. Do you guys have like sponsors filling the place up with like recovery boots and gravity chairs and stuff like that? Yeah, that's definitely kinda, the idea. Kind of so rough we'll, around the edges still. Yeah, it's it's definitely shoestring still. And I'm not sure where it's going to go from here. But yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of, 
I think if we had the sponsors, we'd have an easier time assembling a proper yeah. elite team to live there all the time, and then we'd have more appeal for camps. But right yeah. now, it's really just me offering my own personal yeah. space. Take, take, take some notes while you're at my house. Put a Zen den up there and a oh, exactly. hot tub. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you, I mean, you've seen the, the setup at my place. Yeah, I've been enjoying yeah. it. So. Yeah, it's kind of funny. Like sometimes I'm at my house, I'm like, gosh, I wish I were still like competing heavily in sports because I now I've got all the stuff I didn't have when I was competing a whole bunch. That you do. I was, would I help was me walking, out quite a bit. <laughs> I was walking over to the, the little guest house in the back today, and I was thinking, I wonder if I envy him more or if he envies me more <laughs> because like I'm broke as it gets and I have basically nothing. But I'm like on that up and up of rising. This like, yeah. man, if I could just get an extra fifteen hundred bucks and I can go race comrade. Oh, trust me, there are there are sometimes <laughs> I think, gosh, if I could go back and do bodybuilding, or I go back and do triathlon, or back go back and do obstacle course racing with the knowledge or the, I guess the means I have now. But I mean, obviously. By not racing, I've put more time into the business. By putting more time into the business, I have higher income. And of course, if you're pouring your heart into racing, it's pretty hard to like be a full-time CEO too. So, oh, for sure. Yeah, you can't I, really I have the best of both worlds unless it. you have some very generous benefactors. Yeah, I have a yeah. million good ideas, and I'm kind of, you know, we both know Mark Bell fairly well. It's like, yeah, Mark's I have, great. I have a million good ideas, and I think I'm just on the Mark Bell trajectory. You yeah, know? it's just like yeah. I'll, I'll just, I'll just keep living a life where I don't actually need money. And then yeah. when I need it, I'll just, I'll manifest got, more of it because I'll be such a freak. Great book for it. You probably heard me and my sons talking about it in the car last night on our way to that dinner party. The book called Early Retirement Extreme. I'll recommend that to you and anybody else on the show who wants to live within your means. So I'm taking my sons through it right now because we're very, very careful about not giving them silver spoon mentality. We I love hearing the conversation. We have man. a whole Greenfield family foundation where, you know, they, they have got to totally take care of themselves once they turn 16. They're in charge of their car, their cell phone bill, contributing to the household income, everything. But as a part of that, I'm taking them through this early retirement extreme book that goes into things as, you know, as little as don't buy a whisk, you know, use a rubber band and two forks. So <laughs> it's a good, good book. Um, but anyways, back to the pre-race routine. Is that it? That's just like the fiber and the poop and boom, you're done. Well, so then that, that whole week will be maybe trickling in carbs, maybe not. That's a little more race dependent. If it's like a marathon or a half, I'll probably leave it at 125 grams net a day or so. And after so many years of defaulting to most of my foods being functionally zero carbohydrate, it's really easy to just inject that. You know, I'll just, instead of doing 90% dark chocolate, I can do 50% with a friend or yeah. whatever it is. I can, I can have a sweet potato with dinner instead of not. And so it's, it's pretty easy and feels very, it feels decadent to have, you know, 125 grams of net carb after having 20 for a few weeks. Yeah. And so I might, I might leave it there if it's before a real, real long event. I might have Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, real low carb. But then somewhere around that Thursday, certainly certainly Friday before a Saturday race, I will crush. I mean, I'll have my normal like a can of sardines. You know, since I'm avoiding the fiber, I won't supremify them with all the nuts and seeds and everything that I add, nutritional yeast. But I'll have what I would say, what I categorize as gluten-free junk food. Yeah. Right? I'll get something hyper-palatable yeah. with no fiber. The night, the night before you're carb-loading with clean-burning carbs. Yes. Yeah. And so I'll, I'll usually aim at about half starch, half sugar. That's easy to find. That's, that's any number of, of cereals or gluten-free donuts yeah. in the freezer aisle or whatever it is, and stuff that I know won't leave me pooping on the side of the road. Right. And then I like that nice rush of, like, insulin coma to just knock me out. If you're in your 30s, or anywhere beyond, you got to start eliminating senescent cells in your body. These are the so-called zombie cells that make you feel old before it's time to feel old. They linger in your body after their useful function, hence their name zombie cells, wasting energy and precious nutrition and leading to so many middle-aged symptoms like low energy, brain fog, slow workout recovery, and joint discomfort. But luckily, you can nuke these senescent cells. There are a bunch of different 
newly discovered plant-derived ingredients that when expertly combined can help to reduce senescent cells. And the folks at Neurohacker have cracked the code on putting them all together into a fantastic product called Qualia Senolytic. Qualia Senolytic. Now, this could be one of the biggest aging breakthroughs of the decade based on what we know about senescent cells. It could take years off how old you feel in just months. And you only use it twice a month, six capsules twice a month. Super simple. I'm actually on my cycle right now. I just took six this morning. I'll take six tomorrow morning. Then I set it and forget it for a month, nuking my senescent cells and feeling younger in the process. So if you're sick of feeling old before your time, try, try Qualia Senolytic. Go to neurohacker.com slash Ben Seno, S-E-N-O, neurohacker.com slash Ben Seno, Backed by a 100-day money-back guarantee and that code Ben Senna will give you an additional 15% off at neurohacker.com forward slash Ben Senna. I don't think it's any secret that I'm not a huge fan of big, clunky New Year's resolutions. Why? Because they usually rely on willpower. And willpower is a tool of your conscious mind. That controls just like 2 to 4% of your daily actions. Your habits, whether good or bad, in fitness or nutrition or productivity and beyond, they're all deeply ingrained, and that creates an internal thermostat that keeps you stuck in your current situation. Well, the good news is you're not alone. I've worked with thousands of clients who were all trying the right things but felt stuck and realized their willpower was not what helped them get out of their scenario. Instead, they needed direction, guidance, accountability, a plan, a program, and a big why, and I provide all of that with my revolutionary coaching programs. I have retooled the coaching programs. We have amazing options for you in our brand new elite programs from bengreenfieldlife.com. So you can join now and redefine your reality with a limited time offer of 40% off of your first month of coaching. Here's how. Go to bengreenfieldlife.com slash elite for a personalized coach set up perfectly for you to achieve any goal you want safely, quickly, and effectively. BenGreenfieldLife.com forward slash E-L-I-T-E. And I'll see you on the inside. It's true. You sleep like a baby if you've been restricting carbs. Like the only way to get that is you got to you got to inject into like growth factor. You go <laughs> low carb if you want that same type of sleep. You get the peptide like Gipamorelin or whatever. But the, um, the interesting thing is I used to do the same. I'd carb load at the night before my races but then, and I learned this from the nutritionist, uh, Steve, I forget his last name, we were Hammer Nutrition. He said, well, in the morning then, eat a higher fat breakfast or like a bulletproof style coffee or whatever. So by the time I would get to the swim for Ironman and out of the water, that's when I would take my first gel or dose of carbohydrate. So you're essentially keeping your body from going hypoglycemic leading up to the race, shifting your body into high fat burning mode because you've had a high fat breakfast. You still have all the liver and the muscle glycogen because you loaded with carbs the night before. And it's actually a really, really cool way to not be standing at the start line of the race and feel like you're going hypoglycemic because you had a bunch of carbs for breakfast. Yeah, that makes sense to me. I've just been skipping breakfast or I'll, I'll do some, I'll leverage some ketones, just take a whatever quarter or a half of a yeah. KE4 just take some ketones. That's what I would have done. If I would have had ketones back then, that's what yeah. I would have done. But in my case, I was literally just like filling a blender with coffee and some butter and MCT oil and you know, doing the high-fat coffee thing. Yeah, yeah, I don't typically do calories of, of really any significance until that 1 p.m. mark. Yeah. And that goes for 100% of my training. I mean, out. But I, I would say I don't count ketones in that. I will let ketones go outside of that, both later and earlier if I want. Yeah. I'll have ketones of pretty much any variety as long as they don't have significant 
calories yeah. from something else in that window. Anything else crazy as part of the pre-race routine? You do any funky hokey pokey dances, stretches, breath work, anything like that? I've been doing a little bit of CO2 tolerant stuff. Okay. Where I'll have like a maybe a three second or a four second inhale totally through the nose. Mm -hmm. And then I'll have a maybe a 30 second exhale as yeah. gentle as I can. And really the last three seconds, squeeze, 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 brace. And then I'll have a, I've, I think I'm up to a 12 second hold on a, on a negative yeah. breath hold there. So you're doing like a self-alkalizing type of protocol. Yep, maybe. Yeah, I, I, just, I just know I've, I've been yeah. I've been referring to it as CO2 tolerance because I think yeah, growing up without a wind instrument or something, it's, yeah. it's kind of murder doing that because I'll do yeah. that seven times or eight times. Yeah. One after the next. So then you have that long, slow exhale. And then yeah. I'm pressing out the last three seconds. Yeah. And then the last three seconds in the negative hold, I'll, I'll try to squeeze out any more that I possibly can. Yeah. Techni then, technically, that's... That's a little bit more like oxygen tolerance because CO2 tolerance, you'd want to build up levels of CO2 in the body. And the way that you do that is almost like breathe in, letting go, breathe in, letting go, breathe in, letting go with like nice, easy exhales. So you're not blowing off a lot of CO2. And by the time you get to the end of that protocol and you breathe in a whole bunch, suck it all in and then do one final blowout. You're sitting there with high levels of CO2 in the body, and you just got to sit there on that exhale with massive levels of CO2. Interesting. What's, what's interesting is then you get a, an increase in the acid-buffering enzymes responsible for getting rid of the CO2, and that's why some people like to do something like that prior to ice or prior to a workout. But the easier hack, if you don't have time for breath work, is just Arm & Hammer baking soda. 0.3 grams per kilogram in little tiny teaspoons leading up to the race oh, and you have that same alkalizing effect i've been using gotta be really careful with how much sodium citrate for the same. yeah yep but sodium citrate can do it too yep exactly exactly yeah, and, and you get less of the bowel Antonio issues stuff right there yeah less of the bowel issues from the sodium citrate yeah none in my case yeah so I, i've even yeah. been i think i'm gonna do half and half do some potassium citrate just to get yeah. the citrate in there for the the, the ph balancing but then have why yeah. not a little more potassium so yeah yeah a little bit of breath work something something to kind of calm me down i don't really do pre-race music or anything like that but i take one hell of a nootropic stack and then because that's basically caffeine -free, a nootropic stack yeah yeah we can get into okay. it okay and then because that's basically caffeine free i can stack that with a solid full scoop of pre-workout and have another 250 because a pre-workout usually has like caffeine and blood flow precursors and stuff yeah. in it and you're mixing that traditional ergogenic aid with like a nootropic stack yeah something that's straight you know limitless pill is, is the right, goal. Well, now everybody wants to know what your limitless pill is so go ahead yeah i mean I've, I've been using for training i'll use apex by wukio 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 six six letters three syllables phonetic you spelled this for me last night i forget w-u-k-i-y-o yeah, w-u-k-i-y-o and it's so weird because this Wukio stuff showed up at my house like a week ago. I didn't know that you had told them to send me some. And I tried it. First of all, I was surprised because it had like one of their brands had like psilocybin extract in it. And I didn't even know how they could like legally do that. But it was an amazing blend. Crushed the day. And then I took this other stuff you told me about Apex. And again, like my traditional afternoon siesta didn't happen because I just basically like worked all the way up no until way. dinner. And then this morning... At like 5.30 a.m., I took their other one called Ease, and they have all these proprietary chemicals in them I'd never seen before, but you described it to me like the closest you could get to something like LSD stacked with psilocybin or something like that without, without actually yeah, taking those like, two. It's like pre-workout without the oxygen-starved feeling where yeah. you're short of breath and your heart's racing added yeah. to like a 
an almost uncontrollable LSD dose of just, yeah. just flow and selflessness. And I'll be out there on the roads and I'll actually, I mean, I put a lot more into it than just a supplement. You know, I put a lot of mindful work in, but I will regularly forget what it is that I'm doing. <laughs> like I'll, I'll be running yeah. 5.15s or something and I'll just look at my watch and see, oh, it was a 5.12 and just have this visceral response that it was good and I'm doing the thing and just totally forget that it's a finite amount of miles or that I'm doing this for some external goal. I just totally, boom, flow state on control. How'd you find that Wukia stuff? Because I thought it was like out of Japan or something. Yeah, they're, they're not... They're not super popular still. I've never heard of them. Yeah, I'm kind of I mean, like in this sector. Yeah, you definitely are. I'm, I'm surprised you haven't because I, I just came across them. I'm not even sure. I mean, I, I, I think I saw some, somebody on their crew and just, just dumb luck. But I, yeah. I try to keep my finger on the pulse here yeah. of anything. I've been waiting on a smarter caffeine or a proper limitless pill sort of nootropic yeah. stack that would yeah. benefit me without making me feel well this, this stuff like again like i've only taken it three times but those sexy little stainless steel bottles yeah, and you put the capsule in it and and you can combine it with caffeine and other stimulants if you wanted to as like you said for a pre-workout but you know i'm, I'm curious because i interviewed you know by the way I'll, I'll get a link from you or i'll hunt down a link i'll put it in the show notes for that stuff if you go to bengreenfieldlife.com slash kunkel k-u-n-k-e-l you'll have anthony's name memorized by the end of this thing i interviewed the guy who wrote the book runner's high he talked about how a lot of ultra endurance athletes or I think the combination of the focus, the bliss, and the painkilling will take small doses of THC, like two and a half to seven and a half milligrams THC pre-training or pre-race. And then when I interviewed Andy Triana of Superbrain, another friend of Mark Bell's, fantastic interview, he delved into not only the fact that for ultra-endurance athletes, a microdose of LSD, like 10 to 20 micrograms of LSD, resulted in not only the improved focus and kind of like that bliss state that you were also talking about, but in addition, LSD is apparently one of the most powerful inductors of beta oxidation or fat burning for the generation of ATP of any molecule yet discovered. Interesting. I'd love yeah. to get data on myself. I don't think yeah. that would be very complicated to, to do a No, it wouldn't be complicated to like dro drop acid and do indirect calorimetry. Yeah, yeah I mean, two or two-ish times a week right now as I'm getting into really peak training and, and it's it's quicker and sexier and I'm hammering, I'll take about about that dose. It's it's probably somewhere around 15 to 25 mics. Yeah, yeah. But you can't use that stuff when you're racing, can you? Or what's the, what's the testing like in ultra endurance? As far as I know, it's not on a watch list even right now. LSD or THC? LSD. Um, THC is, but with the new standards, if you're not a pretty serious stoner, you could get away with five milligrams or so first thing in the morning and be fairly intoxicated yeah. on yeah. on your competition now i don't that's not ideal for me i don't really care i'll use thc maybe two times a week as well and yeah. you know minimum effective dose maybe just for a for an enjoyable evening or yeah. you know but that'll be two to five milligrams maybe yeah. maybe seven milligrams and then hop on yeah. the red mill and and hammer out a an infrared treadmill session, I call it the red yeah. I used I used to take a hit on a joint instead of like a glass of wine mm -hmm. in the evenings. I quit doing that after seeing a lot of the data on brain gray matter, on memory, and particularly a really compelling study that came out like eight months ago on rampant free radical leakage into the mitochondria with a dose of THC high enough to induce any type of altered state. Was it just so, it? So now the only time, and this is like once a month, I will use THC is for like after my wife and I have gone on a really hot date, it's one of the best things for orgasms and sex, particularly for women. And so if I give her the pen to take a hit, 
I'm not just going to stand her there and watch her. So I take a hit too. And I'll, <laughs> I'll use it for sex about once a month, like for a big bliss, yeah. long sexual marathon type of experience. But that's about it. Interesting. I think you could just go with like lube as well, probably. I've even, oh. used, I've even used, there's a, there's a local one, yeah. um, Colorado like a, like Mushroom a, Company. Like a THC lube. Yeah. Even Colorado Mushroom Company, they make a yeah. this love salve. And it has Amanita muscaria. It's like the world's no most kidding. famous. And she processes it all. Yeah. She's, she's the Mamanita, as it were, my local yeah. mycologist. Yeah, not and that I want to turn this into a drug podcast, but Amanita muscaria is also fantastic for pre-sleep, for lucid dreaming. Yeah, yeah, I've done a little bit of tincturing too. But the yeah. I think topically, I've, you know, I mean, I, I don't get to absorb all that much through my man parts, but man, yeah. I, I've witnessed some incredible things. Yeah. Yeah, I'll have to, to note that. I kind of forgot about the, the THC absorptability. Yeah. So um, so back to the, the nootropics. So during the race, you know, we're finishing up with like the pre-race routine. You said you'll you'll go in, typically fasted, have loaded with carbs the night before. You've done the fiber dump, and then you're just like nootropics. But for a race that long, are you eating as you go through the race or doing ketones or anything like that? Yeah, I would like a, a, a small blanket of ketones just to avoid big glucose spikes. But I've I don't know that I've ever really eaten enough to fuel a, a race, not not even good races. So I tend to not really like to eat. And so with marathon performances, I'm not totally sure if I even have anything to gain by like sneaking some hydrogels into there, chasing the Olympic trials. It looks like that's something that'll that'll be worth some time. Hydrogels be being to, the like the, Morton like or fructose like maltodextrin to increase the glute four transporters. Yeah, basically like a, a mix of carbohydrates. Yeah. So yeah. I could. I, I'm open to the idea that that'll help me a little bit, but I tend to just do nothing for a marathon. I mean, my yeah. my, my fastest times are on, on nothing still. Yeah, yeah. It's do you think all that heat training helps you, though, with that? Yeah, big time. I mean, yeah. I think I think fat, adapted, fat adapting real, real deep and then adding that to heat training yeah. and having, like, I'll – we'll get into morning routine, I guess. But, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll have some good heat stimulus basically every day of my life, if not twice a day. Yeah. And I think years and years and years of doing that, we know you don't get less of a response. You get more of a response on some of the heat shock protein measures and things like you that. You like measure your temperature, like use a rectal probe or anything like I that? I was totally using a rectal yeah. thermometer. And, you were, and having really? a good laugh about it for, for quite a few years. And then I just I just got clicked in with Core. Have you seen those guys? They no. Use a, it's, they use some type of magic. I'm going to butcher this probably. But I think it's like a wattage measurement of some kind. And they have a, a two-stacked system in there. And they kind of project what the temperature difference is and look into your core that way. And so they can give you a skin temperature. But it's temperature. not like up your butt. It's like no, a subcutaneous? No, it's, it's like a heart rate monitor. Oh, and huh. so they, they, they can project, or at least they think they can. I haven't validated it myself, but I, I would imagine it's pretty good. That's interesting. And you can see that your skin temperature rise these big waves as you sweat and as you cool off and as you get into cold water or as you get into the sauna. But huh. then your core temp is much more stable, and you yeah. can see how the two kind of interplay and dance. Really, okay. really cool technology. I'll, I'll have to hunt it down. I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes. I'll hunt it down and find some more information on it, or you can send it to me. Is it core with an E or just like K-O-R-E? C-O-R-E. Okay, yeah. cool. Now, you, you hinted that you have a morning routine, so it sounds like that's different. Like, your average morning is different than your pre-race routine? Yeah, pre-race, I'm not, I'm not going to do cold. I'm not going to do heat. I'm not going to do anything that would compromise me. I'm just going to kind of sit quietly and, and let all the steps course through my system. So, with, with training, I delay caffeine. I always have and I'm really happy to see that's getting kind of trendy now. Yeah. But I'll delay thanks, caffeine. Thanks, to, thanks for, to Huberman, the idea yeah. of uh, delaying caffeine so you're not shifting your circadian clock backwards too much. And just because it yeah. hits you harder. I mean, it's, yeah. it really is nice. Yeah. So Since your, cor your cortisol awakening response occurs, you get the cortisol surge. No use putting caffeine in your body when you already have cortisol. So you wait until the cortisol surge subsides, then you do the caffeine dose. Yeah, and I'll add yeah. that too. You know, I'm, I'm outside getting into Junction Creek. So freezing, freezing mountain runoff. 
yeah. getting my natural light in my face and, and getting nice and cold. And then yeah. I'll scamper in for the sauna. Yeah. And that's, you, do, you do the cold every morning? Yeah. Oh, just like wake up and get cold. Yeah. I've done that a few times. I get nervous though. Cause like you see that the, the only situation in which you tend to see, especially men, uh, get arrhythmias or some type of heart electrical abnormality is with extreme cold when they first woken up. So I always think, gosh, nobody else in my family is awake yet. Should I get into the Morozco? I've done it a few times and it's fine, but that's always the back of my mind. I'm like, I'm going to be <laughs> caught. I'm going to be found dead with a heart attack in my cold tub at 6 a.m. Yeah, I mean, anymore, I, w I was doing a minute up to my neck, which was very, very cold because it was 32, 33 degrees rushing down. It was it was savagely cold. And now it seasons a little more, a little more long in the teeth. Now I'm just doing up to the waist and I'll do yeah. four minutes. And that's enough to get me kind of numbed out and, and vasoconstricted. And then I'll scamper right into the sauna. I'm not trying to shiver. I'm not looking for brown adipose. I'm not looking to increase my metabolism, nothing like that. I'm just looking really for a little bit of inflammation regulation and yeah. then some mitochondrial biogenesis. Yeah. And it's, it's just, it's a rush. I mean, it's, it's yeah. like that first cup of coffee while I'm waiting to actually yeah. stimulate. And so that's, that's a real good way to start the morning. And then, yeah, adding, adding not just the heat, but the near infrared, get everything turning over. And at that point, I'll, I'll get right up and have a, a liter of water with any sups I'm going to have before. And then after the sauna, I'll have, that's where I'll get stimulated or take whatever the, the bespoke supplement right. of the day is basically. Right. Do you, do you like alter your nootropics or, or move through them so that you're not getting some type of a, a, a tolerance to a certain dose of something like whether it's these Wukios or anything else? Yeah. A hundred percent. I'll, I'll have a day that, you know, I'll have a micro a microdose LSD day and I'll even plan for the afterglow the next day and so I might stack it with just something like a cup of coffee or maybe you know sobriety god forbid and just have nothing the next day but <laughs> just enjoy enjoy that afterglow yeah and then I think I'll, just based on the fact you've already done an ice bath you've kissed sobriety out the window you've already got pretty pretty good rush. amounts of epinephrine and adrenaline yeah, endogenous version yeah yeah so I cycle everything and I try to aim at minimum effective dose but then as the season goes by, as I'm, you know, just periodizing it, I will be getting a little more rowdy and a little more aggressive as it goes. Yeah. But I, I like to cycle everything and use minimum effective doses so that I don't yeah. carry around tolerance or don't need anything I'm, at all. I'm the same way. One day I'll do mushroom coffee. The next day I'll do something like the Newtopia supplements. The next day I'll do a microdose of psilocybin. The next day I'll do green tea. Like I think I was telling you last night, like sometimes two weeks will go by and I haven't take the same, taken the same, like, memory boosting or cognitive boosting or energy enhancing aid for two weeks. And I'm the same with sleep. Like sometimes I'll take key on sleep. Sometimes I'll take some CBD. Sometimes I'll do extra magnesium. But my working theory is that if I'm just constantly cycling through, the body is always getting this novel stimuli and slips into the desired state just a little bit more easily. Yeah, I think that's 100% the truth. And then if you randomize them a little bit, you get a feel for what the next day feels like. Yeah. So, you know, you might... And, and some of them, you know, if I'm getting so stimulated first thing in the morning, there's no way I'm going to score a nap. Whereas something like a Kratom, if I do two to three grams of, of oh, just yeah. some plain, not an extract or anything like that, just some yeah. plain Kratom, I can have an awesome flowy morning workout where I'm curious and not in pain and get everything moving. And then I can go home and take a nap. So the yeah. same supplement that helps me. Well, the problem with that stuff is you won't poop the next morning. You don't think so? <laughs> Kratom is pretty constipating for a lot of people. Interesting. Or can be. Maybe yeah. the dose is small enough. Yeah. yeah. Two grams is very, very small. Yeah, that's not that much. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll, I'll cycle everything and kind of plan for the the after effects of, of each one of them. Right. But I'm not shy about using 
two to four grams of nicotine. I think that's a great thing for lifting in my case, for mm -hmm. whatever reason. It just motivates yep. me to do all the little things. It gives me more satisfaction probably out of completing all those little things that you say you're going to do, like core work, and you don't actually do. Yeah. And so, yeah, having having the the heat, the cold, and some some different supplement that's really bespoke for the day. Yeah, and then knowing how to stack them, right? If you take nicotine, take take that pre-workout or a nitric oxide booster because nicotine is, is a vasoconstrictive, right? So you get some of the acetylcholine uh, esterase benefits of nicotine. You get more acetylcholine hanging around, but then you're also able to vasodilate. So once you start to mess around with this stuff, mix and match, you know, or like I told you this morning, like if I ever take too much of something, I'll just pop like 200 grams of L-theanine and it kind of just like Bring calms you out. Yeah, and brings you down. Yeah. Yeah. So your morning routine, anything else kind of, kind of interesting about it? I mean, I will say right now is, is one more, one more taking a guess at why I'm breaking out so hard right now and having such a, such an awesome effortless block and just having more fun than ever. I mean, I'm, I'm 31. I've been at this as seriously as I could for a decade Yeah. and I'm still kind of finding what I would consider beginner gains. And one of the things that I'm doing right now is I'm, I, I brought it back after trying it with a previous cycle. So a lot of time people will question, how do you know what's working and what isn't if you're trying half a dozen things at a time? And part of it is I'll add different things at different periods and kind of log the effects. But it usually takes two, if not three or four training blocks of cycling in and out of these things to really know what does what for me. And one of the things that I thought did good for me before was taurine and citrulline malate. Okay. So I was... I'm using like a gram, maybe a gram and a half of taurine first thing in the morning. And I'll stack that with nine-ish grams of citrulline malate. And I don't know if it's even the citrulline at this point. I'm kind of wondering if it's not yeah. just the malate because the malate has its own kind of neurotropic effect. Yeah, malic acid. Yep. And then the, the chronic of having it every single day, having kind of chronically elevated nitric oxide. I had noticed the same thing using something like Betalete back in the day yeah. of it just having chronically elevated levels or, or bumping it every single day. I think there's gotta be some kind of benefit to that. So, so you're saying that you actually like that mixing the taurine with the citrulline malate. Yeah. That's what I've been doing. I've been doing that and a little bit of pink salt. What's the reason that you started doing that blood flow? Yeah. Blood flow, I think was the, the original draw with citrulline, but at this point I'm not, I'm not totally even sure how this is, how this is all working. Yeah. But it's one of those things that I've, I've cycled on and cycled off so many times at so many different doses. And I'm, I'm, I've, I've settled on this now and it seems to really be yeah. paying dividends. Yeah. Mechanism of action most likely would be the blood flow enhancement from the citrulline combined with ATP production from the taurine. Well, I wonder about There's hormones too. Increasing energy currency and, and blood delivery of it at the same time. I don't know about hormones. I don't know. Yeah. Cause I, I mean, even with like carnitine and things that I've yeah. played with in the past, I wonder if I'm not just, cause I think I'm a particular androgen sensitive sort of runner type i mean that's why i can mm -hmm. pack on muscle and is that because you're a ginger maybe yeah i'm so vitamin d sensitive i'm just mm -hmm. like x-man over here yeah. making vitamin d yeah half ginger <laughs> half ginger half ginger so what about i mean like similar to that like are you doing any kind of elaborate sleeping protocols yeah i use a chili sleep and I freaking love oh. that thing, man. I, that's yeah. that's been so it's game great. changer. They went out of business, though. They yeah, got, they got, went out of business, or they got bought out, or well, something. Well, they're sleep but, me, right? I think yeah. they're, they're still around. It's it's they're same still around, but they're like hard to get. I actually right now I'm running a bed jet up on my bed, which uses it's like a bedside air conditioning unit. And the problem with that one is my wife will like sh I had to adjust it a ton, so I'll go down to 65. And I thought, well, I keep my sleep me at 55 because mm -hmm. I got rid of my sleep me because it broke and they weren't able to do repairs anymore. So I got this bed jet thing and I put it at 65 as low as it'll go. And my wife was freezing all night 
And I was like snuggled up against her and pretty cold myself. I'm like, I'm a cold beast. Huh. And so then I put it all the way up at 72, like seven degrees higher than its lowest temperature, turn the, the intensity of it down to 50% and I'm hella cold all night long, like in a good way. Yeah. So I'm using, it's almost like a bedside air conditioning unit now, but you're right. I mean, the cold for anybody who's exercising a lot or just it, for anybody, really, that's a game changer. Well, and I think a, a topper, a topper seems ideal or even yeah. a, a weighted blanket or whatever seems ideal because then you can do it and your partner you're with doesn't have to freeze exactly. or bake with they you. Could, but they could wear a weighted blanket man, if I have, they wanted to. I have mindset to go that like one degree up per minute for 30 minutes to wake to, you up to wake me up and it's so nice i never I, tried the alarm function on the I bed feel, jet has one of those too oh like God, it'll it's so nice. hot air from cold air oh you got to do it you got to huh. do it because i find that it. while i'm training really heavy i pretty much wake up feeling like death every morning yeah you know, more mornings than not and i find that's all it takes to make me I mean, wow. physically warm up well wow. it, it, it feels so I feel like an emperor, though, because I'll, yeah. I'll wake up with that thing all hot, and oh, then I man. go outside and get in the cold water, and then I come back inside I and get in the sauna. That. I'm like, man, I, I am the that. king right now. Yeah, the only thing I use right now is the uh, the Apollo, the haptic wristband that vibrates, and I've mm -hmm. got that set. If I'm not up and out of bed by 5.30, I've got that thing at 5.30. It'll start vibrating in energy mode, and then at night it shifts into sleep mode, but that's about the only like alarm clock-ish thing that I have. Yeah, yeah, it's it's great. And then I get up at exactly the same time every day. Which for really? me is 8.30. With or without the hot water. <laughs> it's just the hot water makes it feel better. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. What about the, in the evening? Are you taking anything to help you sleep or doing any type of pre-sleep protocols? I'll take a little bump of some sort of exogenous ketones uh -huh. way more often than not. And then I've been using a mushroom blend. I don't think they're using it. I don't think they're making it anymore. Fresh Cap, they had this unwind yeah, blend that was... That was a bunch of herbals like all put together. Rishi and, and turkey tail and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. yeah, and then the rishi hmm. and the chaga and everything. But hmm. yeah, I've been I've been on that plus an extra gram of chaga. Yeah. Since the realization that most of your melanin is not in your skin but is in your mitochondria. Yeah. Instantly, it like totally changed my relationship to things like chaga, where they're they're talking about melanin and and yeah. and all this yeah. stuff that kind of seemed too the, abstract or too woo woo, or too much of a stretch for me. And the dark blues of the plant kingdom tend to increase melanin production. So chaga is one of them, shilajit, uh, methylene blue, and chlorella or spirulina. Any of those massively increase mitochondrial activity of cytochrome C oxidase. Uh, especially if you're in the infrared sauna or under sunlight. Yeah, stack yeah. it with loads of sunlight where I live. Yeah. And then and then the infrared for, I mean, I, um, there's a bulb, there's a, there's an ear infrared bulb pointed at me for probably 10 hours a week. Yeah, I, wow. I love, I love it. Wow. So, yeah, stacking it with air, that's, that's something I've been doing is chaga every night. And that's, again, like I'm having such a breakout. All I'm doing is just logging everything like a proper nerd. Yeah, breakout meaning you're getting not, better and better. Yeah. And, you're doing a lot of these things, but do did do you ever get like pushback from sponsors who are like, oh, he's the weird guy. He was talking about LSD in a podcast. I heard him, you know, no money for Anthony, or you know, he was. I noticed you were on like a recent like sexual marathon as orgasms type of podcast, and obviously sometimes, I mean, I've gotten pushback from sponsors for talking about you know doing stem cells into my dick or whatever. So I'm curious, you get, do you kind of feel like you, you get pushed out a little bit of sponsorships by doing weird stuff? Oh, big time, and part of it. Part of it was that I'm able to get weirder and weirder now that I've stopped holding sponsors that may or may not regulate me. But it, it means I don't have a, you know, I'm, I'm running professionally to the extent that that's a thing. And I'm doing it without a shoe contract, which is 
basically unheard of, right? Like it, yeah. it's not, that's not really viable because yeah. usually your shoe company, that's your health insurance. You go through that's, a lot of shoes and those things are expensive. That's your living wage. Well, yeah. yeah. And it's your, you know, it's your first $30,000 a year or whatever. It's your travel fund. It's, it's everything that makes it kind of viable. So it's made it really interesting to kind of, I don't know. It's not that I'm reinventing the wheel, but I'm definitely carving my own path here and, and insisting upon doing it the way that I want to do it. And that's, that's absolutely had a, a, a financial impact on my ability to do what I'm doing. But I just think it's so right. Now I'm wondering, how do climbers do it? You know, climbers will just have some project and will disappear for six months. And the company will just pay to make media if they need it. And it's like, that's, that doesn't... I don't think climbers do do it, dude. They sleep in... They well, there's torn, that too. There, there's broke as runners. And, yeah, <laughs> there's broke as runners. Yeah. So there's, there's something to that. But I still think that the, the model of someone who's sponsored to do some crazy transcendental things kind of has some merit you just have to figure out how to how to swing that and how to how to merge the two of them and how to share these crazy transcendental experiences so that people that are you know sitting in an office yeah. and doing all their runs on on the treadmill yeah can then see what you're up to and get all amped and get through their own yeah. stuff their i don't way. know like for me at keon like we have a supplements company like i look for like edgy controversial athletes who are head turners who are doing unique things because i don't want the kool-aid that you know the, the yeah. same old playing jane you know just like safe but arguably boring athlete. Like I like a lot of the the head turning athletes. Like in the MMA, like I like like Sugar Sean O'Malley, and, yeah, and yeah. Conor McGregor, and and you know and and pattern interrupts like you know Danica Patrick, which was race car driving, and and I guess no Anthony Kunkel for for ultra running. Yeah, except so yeah. yeah. So yeah, I mean, I think I think that's the idea. Is I I would rather stand for myself, even if I also have to stand for being a total you know starving artist monk yeah. of an athlete, because I, I do think longer term that's. I think even financially, longer term, that'll be better. But it's certainly, it it helps me sleep easy at night knowing that I'm actually contributing whatever it is. And and I have not just the freedom to do what I want to do, but I have the freedom to be wrong. Yeah. And I think that makes, even if I haven't found a way to to make it as financially viable as it needs to be to scoop up some land like I'm after right now and that sort of thing, the ability to properly speak your mind lets everybody trust that i'm using the supplements or the companies or i'm endorsing right. the things that i want because i think they're the best right you're authentic you're being you so i mean you you mentioned starving artist but i'm curious do you like think of your craft as an art like do you think of exercises as an art a hundred percent i think i think part of what rubs me so wrong about athletes being sponsored at you know let's let's say the olympic trials level on the track I have a half dozen people because I've talked about plant medicine and psychedelics and all this stuff. I've had people reach out to me and say, man, this is totally off record. You'll understand why. But I've had, I, I would not have been, you know, the athlete, the hockey player is a good example, or the, the 5k on the track. It's like, I would not have made it to the, to the trials, the Olympic trials or to the NHL, or I wouldn't have had the comeback that I had if it wasn't for psychedelics, if it wasn't for, right. I mean, whatever. And, and some of them, some of them are 20 year old punks, right? Like I wouldn't have run so well in D1 college if it wasn't for mushrooms. And then some of them are, are, you know, I've, I have one buddy that's in his forties and has recently stopped running for a major shoe company after years and years and years. And now he's free to speak his mind for the first time ever. And it's because he doesn't have to worry about the financials, but it also means he's, he's working a job instead of a job he doesn't love, that is, instead of just kind of telling the world what it took to run so freaking fast. Yeah. And I think there has to be some way to set up a, a proper energy exchange for all this, because I think... What do you mean by that? 
I think athletes have something to offer the world. And it's not just fast performances. And the second you get sponsored by some big box company, it's more important that you be anodyne and agreeable and safe. Ah, uh, yeah. And if you can do that and also win races, then they don't care. They'll, they'll slap shoes on you and they'll sell a bunch of whatever their super shoe is or, or what have you. But it sets up this world where these people that are doing freakish things that in theory should see the world in a way that no one else is capable of seeing it, right? If you're running 140 miles a week, what does that take? What are you doing? What do you yeah. think about out there? And so you, I'm convinced that most of those people, myself included, would have something to offer the world. And you don't have to be right for everybody. I mean, I think if you have something of value, plenty of people are going to look at that and rightfully so even say, that's dumb. That has no value for me at all. Yeah. But I think by shackling these athletes, you're not able to speak your truth and you're not able to be wrong. You're not able to, to stir the pot and say controversial things. And so yeah. then you end up with this... I don't know, maybe you are. Maybe you'd be surprised. Maybe if you continue down the road of free expression and being your authentic self and doing the weird stuff and biohacking, you know, five years from now, you're going to be getting the fat sponsorships and turning heads and, you know, people who play it safe won't be. I mean, you never know. People will see the light here. Yeah, I'm okay making my own route. I, yeah. mean, I, I think that what I'm doing will be viable enough for myself and for a cross-country team or so worth yeah. of athletes, you know, call it five to seven athletes that... I would like to be able to support in, yeah. in the three to five year mission. Yeah. And so, yeah, yeah I the, think, I think the, we can uh, do it. The team of the Island of Misfit Toys. So exactly. what do you think about when you're out there? Like, are you allowed to listen to stuff like headphones in? Cause in Ironman, we weren't allowed to have headphones, but obviously you're doing training, but for runs or races or whatever, do you think about or listen to much? In a good race, I don't think about or listen to anything. I mean, Nothing? I think, you don't I think, like even like count to hundred over and no, over again or anything. No, like that? I think the fewer thoughts, the better. Really? And I, I do a lot of things hard. in my life to, to make that happen. Like what? Um, I think like, you know, you get into an ice bath. It's all you can think about. Yeah, you do true. that every single day, and yeah. you're, you're building a little bit of plasticity. You add that to like lion's mane and and you know occasional nicotine and eating a high choline diet. Boom! You know, you have a perfect recipe to then kind of you're practicing not just being in the cold, but being perfectly mindful on one thing at a yeah. time you add that to the heat where you have the whatever that molecule is it's the same molecule you get with alcohol withdrawals that tells you i gotta get the hell out of this box yeah and you you add all these things together and and you make that the intent of training i think if you're if your intent of training is to be gritty and look for something challenging and and fight yourself then you'll find it but yeah. on the same token i think if you're if your whole point of training is that i'm gonna go get weird, right? I'm going to take my clothes off and prance through the wilderness. I think you'll find that too. I think you'll find some sort of peace. And anymore, I'm looking for, I'm looking for that. I'm, I'm flow, flow hunting and I'm, I'm chasing yeah. that kind of peaceful, effortless bliss. And I think wow. that does me right at least 50% of the time. Well, I don't want to tell you how many audiobooks I listened to while Ironman training and you know, looked at my bike as like, oh, a traveling, different. like a traveling university. But you're talking about races then. Racing? Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I was going to say, like, because that's like honestly like how I learned a ton about business and starting my companies and everything it was literally just like during Ironman. I'd listen to business books and Tony Robbins. And, yep. Yeah. Obviously not during races, but. Yeah my, yeah. my training runs, workout days, nothing. Yeah. Or really, really exploratory days. I'll just I'll bring the dog out. I'll put an ice bandana on him so I don't have to worry about him. And he's just a little reservation dog, res dog. Like he's bulletproof, so I can just let him free range. He's so well trained, and we'll just go out there. 
and we'll we'll just flow together and yeah. i'll just kind of you know smell what he smells and get weird out there and th- yeah. that would be a day that or pace work are definitely days where i don't i don't bring anything yeah but the other days out of the week you know there's plenty of room eight runs ten runs a week where oh, i yeah. can have whatever it is i usually use it to keep up with things that people are going to ask me about yeah <laughs> the huberman stuff or, exactly that's that's or smart I went through becoming or fi- yeah. finding ultra i'm going through yeah rich rolls right now yeah just because you know we have a lot of similarities and i think there's something brilliant about having access to somebody's audiobook assuming that they really like it yeah because i think you can get somebody's best essence you know all, yeah. all of their wisdom it's such a it's chocolate cake for my brain, you know. Yeah. It's, it's just such a decadent like experience. Audiobooks are chocolate cake for your brain. Now, um, even stand up, man, well, yeah. an hour special. <laughs> somebody's just best killing it. It's That's like true. I can get this distilled That's version. I never thought of about stand up. This stand up, yeah. and it's it yeah. took them twenty years to make this hour, and I can just listen to it and laugh. And it's I don't have to I don't have to understand it. I can just engage with it, and that's the kind of. That's artistry, right? Yeah. I would like to be able to do that with whatever it is that I think I'm doing out here on the roads. I would like to be able to kind of bottle that and distribute that to anybody that wants it. And if 50% of the population or 99% of the population says, this has no value, it's dumb, you're a crazy person that eats mushrooms and runs in the woods, I don't yeah. care. Because yeah. the 1%, I believe, I believe that they, they will get something so deep yeah. out of it. Eats mushroom, poops, coconut wraps, and runs in the woods. I used to I used to load up sometimes for my interval training. I'd, I'd like grab a bunch of like eight, four to five minute slow songs and eight, four to five minute fast songs because I used to be a spin instructor. Mm-hmm. So I'd always put together tracks. So I was used yeah. to doing this for my spin classes anyways. And I'd load that up for like music to push me during an interval training workout because I didn't have to look at the watch at all. I was like, hey, I just listen to this entire silent track. Go easy when it's easy. Go hard when it's hard. And that's my workout. So I did use music sometimes, but nice, nowadays it's almost always audiobooks and, and podcasts. What about if you get injured? Do you, do you get injured much? And do you have like some strategies for that mentally or, or physically? Historically, I, I don't get injured. Historically, really? I, I hurt regularly, but I, I never have to miss training. Wow. Over the last like year and a half, maybe even year, I've had more. I mean, I guess, yeah, I guess over the last two years, I've had more missed days. So like proper injuries than I've had in the entire preceding decade. Wow. And I think part of it is I've gotten a little greedy and trying to run a little bit faster. And some of it's just freak stuff that happens, right, or, or compounds. I think yeah. a lot of it was just related to the previous thing of just yeah. getting back at it before I was ready. But it's been it's been awesome, really, because it's yeah. made me dive down other avenues that I wouldn't have explored otherwise. But I do think all the heat training, primarily, because I've done that since I was... 17 18 years old yeah jogging in place in a sauna yeah you get a big increase in tendon quality with that it's almost like you you get free young muscle yes yeah yeah Yeah. and i go in there to the death i mean my my red mill my infrared treadmill that's all decked out with a a tungsten a four four bulb panel in the back and a one bulb panel in the front and it's on an incline trainer with a drop cloth around it basically i'll take you on bro i'll take you through one of my like 90 minute breathwork sessions in the heat tomorrow morning and See if you can hang. I mean, I'm not like Laird yeah. Hamilton taking the yeah. Aerodyne and the and the you know the uh, the kitchen gloves in there, but I used to drag my bike in the sauna for like hour to two hour long marathon sessions on the bike. Nice. And then even before that, my wife and I in this condo we lived in, I'd go to the top floor of the condo in the middle of the summer, pull on a garbage bag with like cutout nice. holes for the legs and the uh-huh. arms, pull on two layers of clothing and winter coats on top of that. Yep. And ride and watch like 
the first three of the Rocky series or Star Wars. Literally just like ride yeah. for six hours. Yeah. Sweating buckets. But I think the heat, the heat's you, a huge secret. Um, you're also lighter than me. I don't know. You might be able to take me. We'll see. Well, we'll have to have a heat off. A, a, sauna, a sauna off, as they call them in Finland, where people die. Yeah, they got so, rid of the world champs yeah. on that. Otherwise, that would still be on my it's short a, list of yeah. things to do. Actually, now, now you just got to do the wife carrying competition that's the other one over I there mean, i'm like a yeah <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to get under 130 for marathon wife, maybe wife. i'll be the wife your wife will carry you yeah so um now the, the other thing i wanted to ask you was you know in terms of tracking do you do much actual blood work like biomarker blood work a lot of these athletes are sponsored by like inside track or wellness fx or things like that are you tracking much self-quantified i do a lot of like biometrics i don't do a lot of blood work i have a I have a really fancy heart rate monitor. I have that core temp. Um, What's a yeah, bi- What do you mean a biometric? It, like I'll, I'll measure, I'll measure HRV. I'll measure respiratory rate. I'll measure temperature. Some, some a little bit less invasive stuff. But I've just had so much work done over the years that I don't, I don't know that I really need to anymore. I'm kind of just trusting what I feel. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, I, I tried to. I did one one little deal with Inside Tracker, and they just really let me down. Yeah. I didn't like that it was algorithmic yeah. to begin with, and then the, algorithmic the whole, meaning it's it's feeding your data through known reference ranges. Yeah, they grab they grab three or four reference points and then project yeah. twenty out of them, and I'm I, yeah. I know that I'm a freak, right? I have I have yeah. proven I've quantified that I'm not going to do the average range thing, so I just don't I I have minimal trust in that. Right, as an endurance athlete, you'd have. Like red flagged off the charts, HDL, CRP, probably albumin, uh, likely a low mean corpuscular volume. Like you'd have all this stuff that, that a doctor would say, oh, yeah, you're going to die. Good luck. You know, dig your dig your grave. And it's because of the way you train and is actually one of the consequences of being ultra fit. But it's not necessarily a deleterious consequence in many yeah. cases. Yeah. So I, yeah. I just don't really know what to do with a lot of that. But I do like to get some type of blood work done once a year. Just check in. I, I definitely abuse vitamin d and intermittently abuse iron a little bit so i'd like to make sure that i'm not getting too toxically high on a few things yeah so yeah. that's that's enough to justify a full panel but i'll just do that you mean you, you like you take a lot of iron as a supplement i do i'll do mm-hmm. what am i on this block i'm on 30 ish milligrams of supplemental iron yeah at least every other day and that's I, uh, just while I'm in season. I mean, I'm sweating so much. I don't even know if yeah. that's if that's a significant yeah. amount. But then I yeah. cook in cast iron. I eat yeah. a lot of organ meat. I've, I've recently enough realized, originally getting down to marathon weight, I ended up giving up meat, really, of yeah. any kind. I did half pound of, of raw beef liver a week. Yeah. And that was the only meat that I was consuming because eggs just seemed like a more nutritionally dense way to do yeah. it relative to the calories. Yeah. So I'd have three egg yolks a day but wouldn't be doing any animal like muscle meat yeah and recently i realized now that i've replaced that with something else it's this blend that my local red cliffs farm you know tiny mom and mom and pop thing and he just makes this blend that's that's these yeah. these regenerative churro lambs that live at the bottom of these beautiful red cliffs east of me and, and the, that, the that's, farm's that's amazing uh, or organ meats or just muscle meat and it's this way. blend of it's fat and tongue, so tongue's basically a muscle. Oh yeah, very very collagen Lengua. rich. Yeah, and then was it liver and kidney in there? Okay, maybe there's heart yeah. mixed in there. That's a but good it's, blend. It's this proper yeah. organ meat blend, and I've just been yeah. doing that instead yeah. of in lieu of any other yeah. kind of muscle meat. I think that I, and I want to overset my boundaries, and I don't know a lot about your biomarkers. I'm your coach or whatever, but if if you were taking iron at the amount that you're taking it, and also doing sauna, which is arguably gonna gonna help out with iron and iron storage. I would be focusing a lot more on copper 
because copper is deficient, especially in a lot of heavily sweating athletes. And it what, it's what helps get iron into the cells so that the iron doesn't hang around outside the cells and essentially cause like rusting of the body. The cool thing is organ meats are very good done for you blend of iron and copper. So you're getting some in the organ meats. Uh, legumes can also be a decent source of the copper, but there's two things that I think are top of the totem pole for an athlete, an endurance athlete, who wants to increase iron storage and copper simultaneously. One would be organ meats, but it's a spleen, like spleen extract. Mm. Uh, you can get it from ancestral supplements. You know, your spleen, like when you see free divers and they dive and their spleen gets compressed, one of the yeah. things that occurs as a result of that is increased depot production. That's why a lot of Olympic athletes now who aren't even you know, free divers, they'll free dive for the spleen compression because it's like illegally supplementing with EPA. I'm intrigued by this idea to, to, the make same, more of it. to the same end. I but you, you can also it. consume spleen. Yeah. Uh, like, I know Ancestral Supplements has some. That's one company. I'm sure, I don't know if Heart and Soil has them. There's a few other companies. And the other one is Bee Pollen. Bee Pollen is massively high in bioavailable okay. copper. I've used, I've used yeah. a fair amount of Bee Pollen. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I would kind of do those and like keep eating the organ meats. But if you did all that, you could probably even back off the iron from a long-term health standpoint and get less risk of potential hemochromatosis. Yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready to retest yeah. any, any week now at this point. But I also wonder. Just I think those numbers are still relatively humble. Even if I'm doing 60 milligrams a day, if I'm sweating profusely for an hour a day and just foot strike hemolysis the, mm -hmm. the breaking of those red blood cells while you're out there running just mechanically stomping your foot and breaking blood cells yeah that's got to be a lot of iron a lot of iron demand yeah but yeah that's definitely on my radar of it's a lot of iron demand and the problem is not replenishing the iron the problem is replenishing the iron with the nutrients that accompany it that allow it to actually get into the cell versus it hanging around the bloodstream so it's about bioavailability more than dose yeah yeah, yeah. i should i should double check copper on something because i've gone yeah. out of my way to increase that first it got on my radar through zinc zinc copper balance yeah. and so that's that's why i was prioritizing it but yeah things like liver and, and kidney seem to be yeah. very very high yeah. sources of it and then i've i kind of wonder if the most of the breakout right now isn't isn't due to that good fight you know we, we were briefly talking digestive enzymes and that sort of thing and i'm on this phytase enzyme and i oh, thought yeah. for sure it was good fight is the brand name of the phytase yeah, enzyme that you yeah p-h-y-t-e good fight okay i thought for sure it was just like snake oil you know i mean it, we're, we're in a similar boat where i say yes to everything i'll trial anything i'll yeah. see what works but i didn't i didn't have big i, I don't eat a whole lot of phytates but upping the dose from a, a, a a double dose already into a five or six doses a day suddenly i have not had a single rough run it's yeah. been it's been effortless yeah craziness since then it's, it's, and it's I'm, I'm not even sure yeah. <laughs> if you look at like bromelain papain trypsin chymotrypsin high dose digestive enzymes etc they can be used off label for instead of digesting food to break down fibrin in the bloodstream and also be used for biofilm breakdown so you might be seeing like a thinning of the mucus. You could potentially see an increased uh, recovery and decreased soreness effect from the fibrin breakdown. So, or maybe your seeds and nuts are messing up your gut and you're digesting them better. Who knows? Yeah. I, at this yeah. point, I'm not even, I'm not even sure. It seems to be doing something beyond what we think it's doing. Cause I'm having, yeah. I'm having crazy days after days right yeah. now, but I had to send you a bunch of Keon flex and see if that works better or worse than the, than the phytase. Yeah. Let's give it a try. It's, it's like a big boatload of, of enzymes as well. I do worry yeah. about scrubbing my gut though. Cause I'm, I'm big on my gut. Yeah. I want, I want chia seeds yeah, you're right. and no high, high dose and enzymes can can do a number on the gut lining. Yeah, yeah, that's that's definitely on my radar. Yeah. And I 
I mean, I'm religious about colostrum. I don't know how yeah. much you played with that. Oh, but that yeah. was one we, of the we things. We have it at Keon's, one of our supplements. Nice. Yeah. Nice. That was one of the things that when I started doing, I did that pilgrimage route last year that we shot a little documentary on. It's up on my Patreon, actually, just to just so that we can still make that the that rounds. that, like, 250-mile pilgrimage yeah. running? Yeah, just 11 yeah. days of just indulgent running. And there was a 160-mile week in there. And the first night, I just felt like death, <laughs> obviously. And then your body gets up to speed doing a marathon-ish a day. And then I started just crushing. I started craving it. I was just putting these colostrum packets just right into my face. And yeah. I was using Armra, which is really intentionally, they yeah. strip away certain yeah. things and brand. leave certain yeah. things and they cold, they cold treat it. And yep. they're, yeah, they do it right, it seems. Yeah. And it's not as good as body, Keon, but it's good. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm <laughs> open to it. And so my, my body, once I started doing like eight, 10 of these little Armra packets a day, I suddenly didn't feel feverish at night and everything was smooth flowing from there. Wow. And kind of just having that test, you know, in the foxhole like that, as it were, yeah. seemed to be, yeah, that's, the, that the, convinced uh, me immediately. Increased gut permeability in the heat during exercise with endurance athletes is not only extremely proven and controlled by things like colostrum and L-glutamine, but aggravated, and this is concerning, by ibuprofen, which, you know, any other non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drug, which drives me nuts when I see some Ironman or marathoner popping a, a couple of ibuprofen halfway through to shut down the pain, because you can introduce basically a sepsis-like state. Yeah, so, I think there's better drugs, too. Yeah. That's that's really, if, if I had a message that was supplements, it was, you know, say maybe to drugs. <laughs> I just think if you really looked at it and picked what supplements you were using, or what, what, and anything that you're putting into your body, any interventions that you're doing, and ask yourself if there's a better way to do it. Because I think a lot right. of people do things just because of convenience. Right. You get. You, I mean, like, yeah, you get an opioid prescription. Well, I can tell you right now, if you were to stack phenylethylamine and CBD and low dose kratom and possibly a little bit of a curcumin or turmeric, then you're going to get an opioid-like effect. And I mean, if you got your wisdom teeth removed or whatever, like. Do that instead of A, supporting opioid production in general because it's just harming a lot of people, and B, having that tempting bottle around for you to abuse for the next month because I always prescribe too much of that stuff. Yeah, I think yeah. I think that's being an adult about, about your SUPs slash drugs yeah. is is kind of a, a really fun place to be then because then it opens the world up to you. Yeah. So I think that's yeah. part of my licentiousness about, about supplementation or talking about yeah. microdosing psychedelics or something yeah. comes from that sort of place of... I'm I'm really intrigued at the idea. Who who is that guy pushing the the doped up Olympics, the um, oh. enhanced games? He's gonna do. Oh yeah, I heard he, about him. He yeah. his list like of the Olympics, things, but you're allowed to dope with whatever you want. Yeah, yeah. but you have to get health screened. So if your yeah. if your health is in shambles, they won't let you compete. <laughs> That's so genius. And then he's addressed yeah. a lot of the issues in there. But I think one of the issues we're gonna find is it's not gonna work. They're not gonna break the records because the athletes in the Olympic Games are already all doped up. Yeah. And my part of my shtick about openly talking about the things that I'm not supposed to talk about is they're an alternative to doing something that's against the rules. I'm okay, even as someone who's never been drug tested despite all the stuff that I've done, it's I'm okay playing within the rules as they're written or at least the intent of the rules as they're written even yeah and so i think it's there's so many things that are open to you that if anything might help your health and wellness and your longevity instead of harming those things that are also totally at your disposal you ever race against anybody wearing those like doped up shoes what do you call them the smart shoes or, you know what i'm talking oh, about super like, shoes? yeah super shoes yeah i don't have a choice man I, I really i did a marathon what was that three years ago maybe and I was ninth or eighth in a in a field that had money for top five, 
and I was the only person in the top 10 that wasn't in super shoes. And we're we're into the era now where oh. you can compete so you, in them. So you were like you were able to hang with some of the super shoe guys. 100%. Oh, but wow. I think what you're finding is that they're worth they're worth minutes off your time. And so you kind of wow, really? you almost have to put an asterisk next to it. What is it in them that's making them so effective? Is it like the rebound it's the effect or? It's the foam. Yeah. Okay. Everybody thinks it's the carbon fiber plates cuz they're sexy and cool and flashy and you can see them. It's the original study out of Boulder said it, it had nothing to do with So just like potential to kinetic energy conversion. It's like, like 98% rebounded energy instead of wow. 60 or something in EBA. Which adds up over tens of thousands of steps. Yes. Jeez. And then the the Nike with the the AirPods and the Alpha Fly saves your legs even more. I yeah. think it's an interesting world because I don't think I can justify those because I don't have the same problems that elite athletes in the marathon have, for example, where they're built for the marathon. You know, their calves look yeah. like my forearms. And so they get a lot more benefit out of maybe a heavier shoe because it can save yeah. their legs the abuse, whereas oh, no, my no, no. legs... I still want to put a pair of super shoes on you now and see what happens. Yeah. 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 All right. If anybody, if anybody knows anybody who makes super shoes, leave a comment in the podcast. We'll get, we'll get Anthony hooked up. Why, no, I mean, why, I'm, uh, I'm just wearing the Nikes with yeah. everyone else, man. That's yeah. the problem is if, if they're yeah. doing the best job, then we all have to kind of... Really, That's it's right. unfortunate for the athletes that aren't like sponsored. like Lance Armstrong. You have to be the best doper. Yes, exactly. You, you really, yeah. if, if you can try to get ahead or, yeah. or Louis Simmons said gear, yeah. gear can't be neutral. It has, it's either an advantage yeah. or it's a disadvantage. Yeah. And I think yeah. that's, that's what we're into now where these, these poor athletes that are sponsored by a company that doesn't make a good super shoe, they just can't compete or yeah. they have to hope that they're smart enough to have it in their contract that they can race in whatever seems to be the fastest. Yeah. And that's another thing that I really like. I can grab a pair of Pulsars by Solomon to have a six ounce or just under shoe that i could do 100 miles on the trail in and it's it's an advantage right yeah and so even though i'm not running for solomon and they have no love for me you just get a hold of a pair of these and then on yeah. the roads i can race in a in a vapor fly yeah. or i can race in the alpha fly and i, I don't yeah. ever have to say this is the greatest shoe ever i can just say well this was the best shoe for this block with yeah. my body based on these yeah. metrics yeah, it was funny right before you stepped out here to do this like two hour long walking podcast you were about to just walk out and bare feet on this gravel so I know you train your feet too. Why? Uh, I'm just curious, like a bigger picture question, but why do you do all this? What do you think drives you? Curiosity. Really? I just, yeah, I just want to know. I, I, not just, not just the kind of external want to know how fast I can run. It's more about the man. What would it feel like to run my high school PR two mile? 13 times in a row to, to, get, to get an Olympic trial. <laughs> I've thought marathon. about that before and I've run a fast mile. I've been like, wait, there are people that do this 26 times in a row. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't, I don't envy those people because I think talent takes them most of the way and they don't really have to think about it at the tippy top end. So I think, I think it's, it's fun driving this and kind of getting every little bit of benefit that I can get here and there and harvesting all these otherwise trivial benefits to add it all up in there. But the big driving factor for why I do all that and why repeatedly just build a house of cards just to knock it over i think it's it's the curiosity of knowing what that feels like the the crazy experiences that i've had where i just have a perfect flow state for five straight hours and have no Jeez. thoughts yeah that is worth whatever the price is right that's worth yeah. any anything you'd have to pay to get that state again you would do it and so that's really what i'm doing i'm just out here trying to trying to stack these flow states and yeah as i've as I've found those in things like that pilgrimage, I've had less of a need to race and less of a need to establish myself. And, and part, of, part of that is, I think I got the dreams that I wanted as a kid or a young adult, and they were unsatisfying. 
but I was kind of satisfied with him. Part, yeah. of, part of me said, well, I did the thing. I don't, yeah. I don't have to live with regrets about not doing the thing. I, I got that done. I did what, more than I thought I could do. And now I'm just going to be weird and, and do crazy stunts and kind of talk about it and be about it. And I think the, the cool aspect that's kind of cyclically um, kind of a positive feedback loop that drives me harder now is people can benefit from what I'm doing. Yeah. If I was just a freak and I said, I don't know, I can just run real fast, then that doesn't add any value to anybody. Whereas somebody who's tried three or four times to Boston qualify and they say, what do I do next to make sure mm-hmm. this happens? I have I have a dozen answers. So yeah. at this point I've stopped coaching because I don't like the whole hand-holding aspect of it. I don't want to wipe bottoms. But I do, I do these consults and it's just half an hour and you can appreciate some... Yeah. layman or yeah. somebody depending on who like, they are I like 10 to 12 of those a week i used to coach 47 athletes most of them in uh marathoning swimming and triathlon all online and that was up till about like 10 years ago and then i switched to doing phone consults now i work with 10 people max that's my that's my max each month that, that i'll take reasonable. on i think a person per day of the week yeah. is like all the creative yeah. energy that i would have coaching yeah exactly and most of those people we're doing more like boxer we use this app that's like a walkie-talkie where they'll just walkie-talkie me questions and stuff throughout the day. So it's not like I'm managing 10 people's schedules and trying to figure out when I'm going to call each of those people and how we're going to sync up. We just talk whenever we want to during the day. Yeah. And then every Saturday and Sunday, I sit down and lay out their training plan, their nutrition plan, you know, yep. basically look at everything that's going on, and we just make tweaks and move on to the next yeah, week. Yeah, that's plenty in depth. Yeah. You can appreciate that, though. 30 minutes of just, hey, accountability, we're yeah. going to start with the basics. And if you knock them all out of the park, we're three minutes into the conversation, and we can get deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. Your head's yeah. spinning at the end of 30 minutes, and you have notes, and you have, you have a month or six months of, like, homework items to go figure out and incorporate into your life. Yeah. And then we can come back and do it again if we need to. Yeah, yeah. That's crazy. That's, 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 it's so cool that, you're, that you think of it that way. It's just like unlocking curiosity. You know, there's, there's so many things that you alluded to, this um, pilgrimage run that you did, some of these things we talked about, like nootropics and that core biometrics device, uh, your Instagram channel. I know you're kind of like this crazy biohacking ultra runner. So if people go to bengreenfieldlife.com slash kunkel, bengreenfieldlife.com slash K-U-N-K-E-L, I'll include links, I'll include resources, I'll include uh, everything that you need uh, to access uh, everything that is Anthony. And you can leave your questions, your comments, and your feedback over there as well. Yeah, and people Anthony. can just show up at my house. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm easy. Show, I'm always, show I'm up over, at the Durango house. Camps. Yeah, always yep. offering camps for donation only. Yeah, and bring, yeah. Your, bring your rectal probes and come for a good time. There you go. All right, thanks, Anthony. Well, this is pretty cool. Just put the finishing touches on a luxury VIP retreat in the Swiss mountains. So you may have seen a little bit of rumblings about this on social media, but the beautiful Six Senses retreat, all-inclusive luxury locale in beautiful Crans, Montana, Switzerland, has graciously allowed me to bring a maximum of up to 10 folks. And this could be individuals, couples, families into a transformative experience there where I'm going to lead breath work, hikes, workouts. You'll get hands-on foraging adventures with nature's freshest ingredients in their cooking class locale there. You're going to get a chance to do amazing spa treatments, a meticulously curated program. You'll get to meet my wife and my sons who will be there. Again, families are welcome. You can bring one or two or three kids. You can make it a couple's retreat. If you want to go solo, you can. There's a limited number of rooms where we're prioritizing couples and families. But again, if you want to get in, this thing is coming up around the corner, April 17th 
through the 21st, 2024. So it will be all-inclusive. You'll want to fly into Geneva, Switzerland, assuming you want to get into the closest airport. I've already got our flights. Uh, You'll want to mic your calendar for April 17th through the 21st. And here's how to get in. You go to bengreenfieldlife.com slash six senses 24. That's bengreenfieldlife.com slash six senses 24. And again, it's going to be incredible all the way down to like evening sing-alongs and stargazing and yoga and meditation. And again, the spa there is incredible. Six senses is known for having incredible retreats around the world, but this one in Switzerland is supposed to be one of the best. I can't wait. I led a retreat in Portugal last year and people just said it was the most amazing experience of their lives. This one will be just as good, if not better. So go to bengreenfieldlife.com slash six senses 24 and you can get in on this retreat that's coming up right around the corner, April 17th through the 21st. I hope to see you there. More than ever these days, people like you and me need a fresh, entertaining, well-informed, and often outside-the-box approach to discovering the health and happiness and hope that we all crave. So I hope I've been able to do that for you on this episode today. And if you liked it, or if you love what I'm up to, then please leave me a review on your preferred podcast listening channel, wherever that might be, and just find the Ben Greenfield Life episode. Say something nice. Thanks so much. It means a lot. In compliance with the FTC guidelines, please assume the following about links and posts on this site. Most of the links going to products are often affiliate links, of which I receive a small commission from sales of certain items. But the price is the same for you, and sometimes I even get to share a unique and somewhat significant discount with you. In some cases, I might also be an investor in a company I mention. I'm the founder, for example, of Keon LLC, the makers of Keon branded supplements and products, which I talk about quite a bit. Regardless of the relationship, if I post or talk about an affiliate link to a product, it is indeed something I personally use, support, and with full authenticity and transparency, recommend in good conscience. I personally vet each and every product that I talk about. My first priority is providing valuable information and resources to you that help you positively optimize your mind, body, and spirit. And I'll only ever link to products or resources, affiliate or otherwise, that fit within this purpose. So there's your fancy legal disclaimer.